Greetings, everyone. You're listening to KYRS Medical Expo Can at 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And this is Art Hour, and I am your social distance host, Mike Molson. And from across town, I'm your other social distance host, Eric Woodard. You know, Eric, so this is, a, this is a maiden voyage for our listeners here. This is the first time we have tried to do a Zoom uh, radio interview um, and trying to use our phone voice memos to record this. Um, Eric will be our sound editor, so it'll be very interesting to see how this works out. But um, like everybody, we're all going through this time of change and adapting and our guest here is really going to be, I think, very informative. Um, we have Melissa Huggins, Executive Director of Spokane Arts, and certainly, uh, and not least, the whole art community. Uh, this has been kind of a very, maybe even devastating, because artists in general uh, are not working for corporations. I mean, they are their own sole proprietor. And this has got to be shocking, to say the least. And so we're hoping, Melissa, you can provide us with just some things, you know, maybe that Spokane Arts is doing and what you're hearing across the country. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And yeah, devastating is indeed the accurate word. <laughs> yeah, so what, um, at, I guess maybe in the, the immediate thing, what is it? What are some of the things that you have been doing now with Spokane Arts in terms of helping the Spokane art community? Yeah. Uh, so one of the first things that we did, uh, like many people, and this sort of happened across the country, uh, but one of the first things that we did was to recognize the problem that you just alluded to, Mike, which is how many artists are self-employed, right? How many artists are gig workers and freelancers, um, you know, musicians and photographers and, and uh, writers and, and all kinds of folks who make their living off of a series of gigs. So we pretty early on, um, about a month ago, actually created a, launched an online funding campaign, um, crowdfunding campaign to raise money to be able to offer small grants to individual artists who had lost work because of uh, the virus shutdowns. Yeah, um, and and how's that how's that going? Are you getting lots of uh, Spokane artists, our local artists, kind of taking advantage of some of the things you guys are doing? Yeah, absolutely. We feel really good about the response so far. Um, so we have been able to fund just over $40,000 in emergency grants to local creatives. And it's a big range of disciplines. A lot of the folks that I just mentioned, you know, musicians and photographers, uh, visual artists who make their living off of selling their work at, at farmers markets and, and festivals. Um, so these are small grants. You know, we, we knew that we wouldn't be able to raise a ton of money online during this time when there's so many other needs uh, but the community has been really generous so the crowdfunding campaign is at about fifteen thousand dollars and Spokane Arts kicked in uh, twenty five thousand that we had received as a donation from um, uh, the estate of a local philanthropist so um, we've distributed that forty thousand dollars we're working to to raise some more donations and and we have um, you know obviously there's plenty of need uh, but the response from from people 
people about, you know, even these small $500 grants, uh, you know, that can make the difference for someone being able to make their rent. Or, you know, I, I talked to an artist who, um, is a cancer survivor and that $500 allowed her to cover two more months of her medical insurance. Um, so, you know, just even a little bit can help fill those gaps. So we feel um, really, really glad and, and grateful that the community has helped support that. Yeah, I was wondering, um, what what's your understanding of what any of the federal or state stimu federal stimulus or state unemployment or any of those kind of uh, money streams, do artists qualify for any of those? And if they do, what do they need to do to access that? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, since the CARES Act was passed, which is the federal act that, that allocated all that money, um, there's been a lot of information coming out and it's been kind of, you know, piecemeal and, and hard for people to process. So we've been trying to distill a lot of that information and send it out via our Spokane Arts newsletters. Um, but for individual artists, there are a couple of things. So uh, the CARES Act did expand unemployment to contract workers and freelance uh, freelance artists, freelance individuals. So um, it's been a little confusing because the state employment, employment security department's website wasn't set up to accept applications for those individuals. And so ESD has had to completely overhaul their entire site. What that means for individuals who want to apply is that you are eligible in most cases um, and uh, their system update is supposed to be ready this Saturday, April 18th. Um, so from that point on, individuals who are independent contractors, freelance workers, sole proprietors, um, should be able to apply to ESD for unemployment and fill out the online form and, and get taken care of that way. And then one other piece, um, is people probably have heard or read a lot in the news about uh, SBA loans, the Small Business Administration loans. And I think, um, again, they expanded the definition of who qualifies for those. So previously, you know, the parameters were much more specific, but now independent contractors do qualify for some of those loans and some of that, uh, those grants and assistance. And so um, as of April 10th, uh, independent contractors can apply for a program called the Payroll Protection Program that can help cover uh, payroll for people who are self-employed. So there are lots of like webinars and tutorials and, um, and, and places that we can, can direct people if they have questions about how to do that. One of the best resources is, uh, you, you two probably saw this, the Spokane Public Library has um, used their librarians to create a resource center. So there's a phone number that you can call if you are an individual who doesn't know how to apply for unemployment, if you are a business owner or sole proprietor who, you know, isn't sure about what assistance is out there, there's a phone number and you could call and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a local Spokane Public Library librarian and they'll guide you through what's available and tell you what you need to know and help you figure out answers. It's really cool. And where can people find that information? Is it right there on the Spokane Public Library website? Yeah, uh, the phone number is 509-625-6550. And you can find it on the city's website or the Spokane Public Library website. 
Now, I would imagine it was kind of difficult for people to figure out what the heck's going on at some point, too, just because things have been going so fast and things have been changing so much. How has that been for you trying to navigate all of this stuff? Uh, has it been pretty pretty clear or, or what's it been like at Spokane Arts? Uh, I mean, I uh, never thought that I would spend so much time learning about SBA loans. <laughs> uh, I, let's be clear about that. Um, no, I think you're right. It is a lot of information, and I think it has been, um, you know, in certain cases, difficult for people to parse. I think, you know, some some businesses or some organizations, maybe if they have been around a little bit longer or if they're more used to, um, you know, taking out loans or they're, they're used to talking to their bankers, they have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with their banker, then some of this stuff, I think, has been easier to navigate. And I think if you, if you don't have that, if you're not familiar with these systems, uh, it has been confusing. And so I think a lot of what I have been spending my time on is um, trying to, again, like condense all that information and distill it and then, you know, try to push it out to people, which there are many, many others. You know, the city has been working hard on doing that. GSI has been working hard on doing that. Um, you know, everybody is trying to make sure that community members in Spokane understand what's available so they can actually take advantage of it. Um, but I know, you know, it, it is confusing and, and intimidating for people to navigate. Well, and now that we, we know where to kind of find the resources, what sorts of things have you uh, seen going on in town? I know you had a virtual first Friday. Um, what I mean, it, I know art hasn't really ground to a halt. I mean, obviously, it's slowed down. But what sorts of things have you been seeing in town since all this happened? Yeah, um, we I think the so we are doing another virtual first Friday in May. And I think this time people have had a little more time to sort of like wrap their minds around, you know, what that could look like and, and what that could be. So there's a lot of exciting stuff that people are doing for virtual first Friday, you know, everything from, um, you know, musicians are doing live streams where they pick a charity and people can donate to that charity, you know, just instead of buying a concert ticket, you, you know, send 10 bucks via PayPal to the charity of their choice. Um, we, Spokane Arts, is hosting a panel discussion of some artists. Um, we're doing that online via Zoom. Um, the Richmond Art Collective is also going to host an artist talk or a panel discussion. Um, we, Spokane Arts, is also curating um, an online virtual gallery that anyone can submit to. So I don't know if you've ever used like those, um, these online tools where uh, when you upload an image, it auto-populates it on a gallery wall. So you're having like a virtual experience of like seeing what a piece would look like mounted on a wall. So right now um, we have a Google Doc form and any artist in Spokane can submit a piece and it'll be included in the gallery. And then uh, for May, first Friday, and for the whole month of May, um, anyone can follow that link and just you know start browsing through this little gallery, online gallery of, of local artists work. Uh, but yeah, people are doing all kinds of uh, creative stuff. And so a lot of what we are working on is just kind of um, gathering that information and, and putting it in one place so people can figure out what fun things to see. Well, we're all trying to learn how to navigate these Zoom calls. You know, it's kind of yeah. the new it's the new normal. What sorts of things did you learn from your first first uh, virtual first Friday? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Good question. I mean, I think uh, I think one thing 
that shouldn't surprise me, but I think is, I think sometimes when we're in our own little bubbles and, and we sort of assume that everyone has like a basic, um, you know, that everyone is maybe as used to navigating these tools as we are. And I think for, for some people like, you know, using Zoom is is more complicated and, and intimidating than it might be for another person. And so I think for the very first uh, virtual one in April, I think there were a number of people that were sort of like, wait, where do I go and what do I do and what does that even mean? Um, mm -hmm. So I think there's, you know, just sort of like, like you said, we're all getting used to this new normal. And so, you know, what what is possible and, and how to make it fun and, and engaging and that sort of thing. And what was kind of the most exciting thing that you saw that was that was new and that you had never done before that you thought this is actually kind of a, a cool use of the technology? Because it kind of feels like when we're using this technology, we're only using it in order to give kind of a, a, a weak facsimile of real life. But have you seen anything that you say, this is actually kind of a cool use of a tool that would be cool even if we weren't in quarantine? Yeah, I think uh, one thing that has been kind of a salve for me, um, I don't know if you know the musician Josh Ritter. He grew up mm -hmm. in Moscow, Idaho. Uh, he's one of my favorite musicians, and he has been doing uh, Tuesday night concerts that he streams from his apartment, um, exactly the model that I was describing before. He picks a different charity each week, and you know people can tune in and donate to whatever that charity is. Um, and you know he's just sitting on the couch in his living room, and you see the art on his wall, and every so often, you know, his dog or his kid will <laughs> hop up on the couch next to him. And uh, he tells, um, you know, different story. I, I, it just feels like a much more like personal and intimate atmosphere because the artist is either by themselves or maybe their partner is there. And so what I've noticed is that people tell much more. Um, you know, sort of personal stories or unexpected stories, things that they wouldn't normally t um, share on stage at a big concert where there's, you know, 2000 people there. Um, so I think that has been really lovely to like see that sort of like personal, um, personal side of artists that you admire. I'm kind of wondering just, you know, Eric, on your from your end, that's a great question, but as an educator, are, do you think there's something that's going to come out of this uh, experience that is going to, I mean, obviously, Zoom uh, instruction and online ins instruction is not going to totally replace, you know, face-to-face -face teaching and learning as part of that process. But what, has there been any surprises uh, with you and your colleagues regarding this as similar to what Melissa's talked about? Well, similar to what Melissa's talked about, yes, I have seen some people who don't, who have had a real struggle with technology, and to be thrust into this without being able to have somebody come over to your desk or come over to your computer and and help you through it, uh, for a lot of people, it's been quite a struggle. Um, and I've been teaching online for years. I've been teaching um, online classes, so um, I mean, I was ready to jump right in, but uh, the learning curve is is 
is steep. Um, and one of the things that I see, uh, I mean, I don't have the exact numbers, but I know we have a number of students in our community who um, are on free and reduced lunch, don't have access to computers at home, don't have access to, and you know, they could probably do it on their phone, but that's that's no way to learn on that tiny little screen. They don't have computers, they don't have access to Wi-Fi. So um, it's really pointed out some inequities in the education system. So. I mean, I think a lot of people would say, uh, if you look at it from a, from a very macro perspective, they might say, oh, this is going to be a harbinger of things to come. We're going to see a lot more online learning. But what I'm seeing on the ground is that um, there, there, we just still have a long way to go to get that done. Uh, we're still kind of in some ways making it up as we go along, as we all are, which is fine. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I hear a lot of techno-futurists saying, you know, this is ushering in a new age. And, and uh, I, I don't, I think Melissa would agree that maybe I'm not seeing that. <laughs> yeah, I do agree with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, we see in terms of the inequity that you're talking about, I think we, we see that and we saw that even before this happened in that, uh, you know, we're a regional organization. We're trying to encourage artists from across Eastern Washington to apply for opportunities and submit to things. And we have also seen that it's been a real struggle for um, artists who live in rural areas and don't have good broadband access. Um, you know, even something as, as simple as like uploading an image of their work so that they can apply for an opportunity. Uh, you know, if you don't have good internet, if you don't have, uh, you know, updated tools of technology, that's not going to work for you. And so, you know, broadband access essentially equals access to opportunity, the ability to apply for grants, the, you know, ability to mm -hmm. apply for professional opportunities. So I, I agree with Eric that that is, um, this is shedding a light on that, at least. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and even with the shows that we've tried to put together, or we have put together in the last few weeks, is we've been asking people to record on their phones and send us the files, and, and we've had issues with that as well. Right now, we're on a Zoom call, we're recording our audio on the phone, and then we're going to splice it all together. So, uh, so yeah, that's tricky. Um, and you've come in contact with many artists, obviously, in your job. How are people doing? I mean, are, are they... Uh, what what I I mean I'm sure it's a range, but uh, I mean what's what's the temperature that you're seeing in the art community here in town? Yeah, it's definitely a range. I mean I think you know like overall, uh, as you both know, like the creative community is a really resilient community, right? Like in a lot of ways, we're used to not having a lot of funding and we're used mm -hmm. to having to DIY everything. Um, but this is, you know, unprecedented. I mean, all of our arts venues are shuttered for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, it, it really is absolutely devastating for arts organizations, for cultural organizations, for creative businesses that don't know when they'll be able to reopen. Um, so I think, you know, it definitely does feel like a mix in terms of um, everybody is running through the same range of emotions that I think we all are, right? Which is like trying to be optimistic, trying to wait for more info, um, you know, trying to control what we can control, going a little bit antsy alone in their own, in their own, you know, whatever their individual situation at home might be. Um, you know, of course, there's a wide range of, of experiences there. So 
I think it's it's just um, it's tough and it's intimidating uh, to navigate. You know uh, what, what people, what individuals might perceive as a lot of bureaucracy to access these resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it is it is a, a range for sure. Now, is the grants that you apply for or the money that you try to um, raise for Spokane Arts as a nonprofit, is is it primarily private money or private donations that come your way? So we have uh, we have two streams of funding. So the um, or you know in terms of the relief that we are providing for artists and arts organizations right now, there are kind of two separate pots of money. So there's um, the artist relief fund that I was talking about earlier, which is uh, 100% private dollars. You know, like I said, all all donations. So from that artist relief fund, which like we were talking about is just for individual artists, we're making those $500, you know, emergency grants with no strings attached. And then we also have our regular grants program, which is called Saga, the Spokane Arts Grant Awards. And the funding for that comes from a tiny percentage of the admissions tax that the city collects. And so um, right now, we part of our COVID response, so the first step was to create that emergency fund for uh, the individuals. And then kind of our second step was to focus on Saga and try to figure out how we can make that more accessible. So normally, our second round of grants, the deadline would be June 1st, um, and the the groups or collectives or organizations on our normal schedule, they wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't get the funding until mid-July when the decisions were made. So we felt like that was way too long for our organizations to wait, right? Like everybody is in crisis mode, they need money now. So we made it uh, a rolling application period. So people, individuals, um, collectives, organizations can apply to SAGA our grants program right now on a rolling basis. We're making funding decisions uh, every two to three weeks. And um, we have at least uh, $60,000 to $70,000 for this round and, and hopefully more. We're working on shifting some things around to try to pour as much money as we can into that pot. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Ah, um, I was just curious as uh, as a nonprofit, and, and of course this is another one of the big um, shocks is that we have a lot of nonprofits in Spokane County, but we have some fairly uh, big ones relative that are connected to the arts community. I mean, we, we have Spark Central, we have Terrain, and then we got Spokane Arts. Are the, are the three that, I, that come to mind right off the bat? And I'm just wondering how, you know, these organizations are going to maybe adjust to the potential lack of money to come in just because donors or people don't have the money to contribute yeah no that we're we're really worried about that right now um i think for all those organizations you mentioned and, and many others too especially in the performing arts you know like the civic and stage left theater and and spokane children's theater and all of those um yeah, it's it's a scary time for sure. I think many of those organizations, uh, some of the, kind of the bigger ones that we mentioned, are trying to navigate those SBA loans that we were talking about earlier. Um, but there are 
I think this whole time we've been kind of waiting to see what, what state and federal aid would be available for nonprofits. And what we're learning is that there's not very much and it's not nearly enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are, you know, we're working on encouraging everyone, all of the Spokane arts organizations, Spokane area arts organizations to, to apply for the things that are available, but also to be contacting their legislators at the state level and at the federal level to say, you know, here's our situation. Like, here are the ways that the available aid is not serving us. Um, So I can give a couple of examples. I don't want to get too into the weeds. But so basically, um, in the CARES Act, the NEA and the NEH were each given $70 million, which sounds like a lot, right? And then you take that $70 million and it gets split between all 50 states. And then within those 50 states, so in Washington, for example, the money from the uh, National Endowment for the Arts, um, a percentage of that goes to ArtsWA, who is the State Arts Commission. And they are tasked with uh, granting that money out around the state, right? So they're going to make a a pool of grants available and they'll give some small grants around the state. But the amount of money that they're given by the NEA is about $450,000. And when you split that between 39 counties of Washington State, you know, then you've got like $11,000 per county. So again, like we want Spokane Arts organizations to be applying for these grants and it's crucial that they do because we you can't get things unless you apply for them. And, and when you apply for them, then those organizations know how badly our city needs this funding, right? And, and hopefully they'll find more. Um, but the odds right now are not great. Um, so I think that's part of, that's just one example of, of what I mean when, when we're really trying to hammer, um, knock on the doors of our, of our state legislators and of our federal representatives to say, okay, you know, here's what this actually means. We have a metro area of 500,000 people. You know, we have X number of arts organizations, X number of creative businesses, X number of self-employed artists. And, uh, you know, here are the ways that the available aid is not um, meeting the need that is there. Um, So like I said, people telling their stories uh, is crucial for that, you know, contacting your representative and, and just sending an email to say, Hey, here's my situation, and and here are the ways that that we need help. Yeah, to me, it's going to be interesting when you talked about. Um, I didn't know. I mean, it seems to me, and I could be wrong, but maybe since Reagan, I'm, I'm the NEA, the National Endowment of the Arts. It seems like that bucket of money, for, at least at the federal level, uh, has started has dwindled. You know, every administration down through that, and I'm just curious, and I'm wondering if when this all kind of settles down, if if there's enough social will of what they missed the most through all of this, and uh, if the arts is going to be part of that, is there a, an organization or a lobby firm that actually could maybe bring this up again? Because, um, like you said, that, that money doesn't go very far by the time you divvy it up through the 50 states, the 50 and umpteen number of counties throughout the United States. Um, 
you know, yeah, I don't know. We work with, yeah, we, I, I agree. I, I think one of the things that we've been talking about with the other state arts advocates that we, um, we think that, that we should be pushing for is like, we should have a WPA style investment in, in putting people back to work, you know, like the WPA investments, uh, paid for all of those artists to paint the murals that are, you know, like the post office murals that are now, um, featured on stamps and and that sort of thing so like you know the federal government said how do we put people back to work oh we're going to make strategic you know these massive strategic investments that actually put people back to work um so i think like that's the scale that's the size and the scale of what we need um and you're right that i think you know the funding has slowly dwindled over the years though i think that one thing that's really heartening is that uh the funding to the nea and the neh the the regular funding that's appropriated by congress um is really bipartisan like it that is not a thing that is like one side wants it and the other side absolutely hates it it's been a pretty bipartisan issue to preserve that funding so even you know over the past few years when when the president's budget comes out that those items you know get iced out and and they're canceled out in the president's budget but that's not ultimately what Congress chooses to do. So I think that that's a good sign that there is, you know, people recognize how arts and creativity help drive the economy. They recognize, you know, how many jobs that represents and, and what that means for, for people. So that's a good sign, at least. Well, if you're looking at it, and Mike, you asked the question, that's from the governmental end, that's from getting the money from that end. But I'm sitting here, and I mean, I don't need to talk about myself, but I'm still getting a paycheck, right? So I, I'm a public school teacher, so I'm still getting paid. So my question to you is, if I'm sitting here and I, I say I don't want to wait for the government to um, have the will to do that or to come up with some more money... And I know I could I could buy art. That that seems uh, obviously I can do that. But what what would be an efficient way to do that? What would be a smart place to start looking? What would be a way that somebody can say instead of waiting, what can I do to help artists? Yeah, I mean I think honestly the the most direct thing that people can do to help. Uh, the arts community right now is to donate to the organizations that you care about. So if there are, and I know that's really obvious, and I know you know it's it's tough times for everybody, and and lots of people are out of work. Um, but if you want, if if we as the Spokane community want to have the Spokane Symphony still exist six months from now, or the Civic Theater, or the Lucky You Lounge, or you know any of these these wonderful organizations that that we value or spark central or you know whatever it may be um they need they're going to need um donations over the next you know six months year now do um, they already do they already have uh, places set up to donate like on their web page or is yeah, there a central I think, location i think uh the all of the organizations do have donate buttons on their website um especially all those ones that i just mentioned it, it's it's front and center there on their website um and then i think uh you know, I had mentioned encouraging individual artists or, or community members to 
um, or people that work for arts organizations, you know, I was saying, tell your story to your legislators. I think hearing from a, a person in the community too makes a difference. You know, it, it could take 10 minutes to send an email and I know that that might not feel like the most like hands-on direct action, but it really is, you know, like someone, a real person in the, in, uh, you know, Andy Billig's office is going to read that email or take that phone call from you and they're going to remember that this is what you care about and, and they can help advocate for those things that you care about. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, you know, buying buying things online wherever, from small businesses, wherever you're able. So, you know, Auntie's Bookstore um, is is shipping books directly to people from their, whole, their wholesalers, shipping things directly out, Wishing Tree Books. Um, I think Giant Nerd Books has the same capacity, uh, you know, record stores, uh, galleries, all of these, um, all of these uh, places. Many of them, most of them, have um, online capabilities. And I think like we were talking about earlier, you know, everyone is shifting to the new normal. And so I think this is kind of, uh, again, highlighting um, how necessary that is in, in the year 2020, that, that people who didn't have the capacity to do that before are, are scrambling to figure out how to do it now, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your board of directors, um, I mean, you have a, I mean, typically boards are kind of diverse in their, their backgrounds and areas of, uh, you know, I guess, expertise, business, you know, and, and arts and education and all those kind of things. Um, what, what's the conversation like with, with them as you meet with them in terms of when all of this started to fall I mean, I think most of our conversations so far have been how do we provide the most support that we can? You know, what what can we do? How do we provide support? How do we jump in and actually help? Um, so, you know, the like I mentioned, the, the artist relief fund for the individuals is kind of the first thing. And then we took a look at Saga and said, you know, how do we shift? Um, we had a three year plan for how we thought we were going to allocate that money over the next three years. And so we you know, sat down and figured out, okay, how do we put more money into this year? And how do we make it more accessible so that people can apply now and get money now and not have to wait until June? Um, you know, those sorts of things. So I think that's been a big, that's been the, you know, the biggest part of our conversations uh, so far is like, how do we help coach people through, get them the information they need and help them access these tools? And then a big part of, of my time has been, um, trying to make sure that arts and culture are represented on the various um, city and county task forces that have been uh, created to make plans about how to come out of the economic recovery. And so I'm trying to be um, the voice at that table that says, you know, the creative economy is is crucial to the our overall communities recovery you know like what's going to draw people out of their homes once it's safe to come out what's going to make people drive in from out of town and go out to a restaurant and go out for drinks they want to go to a concert they want to go to a play they want to you know engage in a cultural event um so i, I just trying to like repeat that in every <laughs> way to everyone uh mm -hmm. in every way i can like how crucial the creative economy is to the overall recovery so 
that um, leads me to the question. Now, part of the uh, Spokane, the city of Spokane budget was, you know, they had their own arts kind of a thing. But then when that went away, they decided to give, uh, they gave Spokane Arts a budget. Part of your budget is from the city of Spokane, correct? The, from that admissions tax, we get a, a very small percentage of the admissions tax. So is collected. that something that um, they can look at and just say, I mean, based on their city budget, tax money coming in, you know, property tax, county tax and all that stuff. Um, um, are you guys able to be on the table to talk about, you know, future budgets, immediate budgets this summer, so to speak? So I think... Um because we, so it's sort of confusing, but we work closely with the city in a lot of ways, like you're saying, because um, the, the percentage of that tax is what funds the grant making program. So that tiny, um, that tiny tax, that tiny percentage of the tax that we get is what funds the grant making program. Um, and that was established by a city council ordinance a few years ago. Um, and so the only way that that could be changed would be if the city council uh, decided to revisit that ordinance and, and decided to change it. Um, so the other thing is that the admissions tax itself, which again, we're only getting a small percentage of, is collected for things like um, if you go see a concert at the Knitting Factory, or if you go see a movie at AMC Theaters, or if you play golf at a public golf course, there's a tiny little tax, um, and that's what the admissions tax is. So a year and a half from now, um, you know, there's not going to be any of that tax because we're not collecting it right now. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that, you know, we're trying to, we're going to have to navigate is we, we know that... Um, the city's budget is going to be devastated by the lack of tax um, revenue coming in and that we are going to have to adjust our grant making, um, you know, a year and a half or two years from now. Thankfully, we have that amount of lag time. It's not like an immediate um, panic situation. So we have some time to plan for it. But we know that that's coming down the pike at us, right, that, that there are as compared to previous years, we're not, you know, for three to six months, the city is not collecting admissions tax, so the money's not going to be there. Yeah. Well, that kind of goes back to Eric's question, you know, what what can people do? How can they support? And I mean, think thinking that's one way without being, you know, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the word um, disrespectful, but if the city council, when they have that discussion, you know, people can attend that and at least... Uh, voice a very positive we know that it, it's tough all the way around but how can we all work together to maintain some sort of a, a budget to you know at least keep the heartbeat alive uh, at some point without making the drastic you know like we, we just can't have it at all so I mean that's a possibility if that ever comes down the road um, people can at least lend their support to city council members and things like that about how important that money has been um, we realize, you know, <laughs> no yeah. time is tough. But if, yeah, if there are creative the ways are... to look at that, we could at least <laughs> attempt that. <laughs> Sorry. 
the male, new normal. There we the go. Male yeah, the new normal person is here. I I had tried. I have to tell you, I tried. To, I tried to avoid this problem. This is great. I, I try, <laughs> Sophie, I tried to buy not- her. I am not going to edit this out, by the way. <laughs> of course you're not. <laughs> because I'm a terrible person. I, no. I anticipated this happening. I left the back door open so that she could go outside. And then I also bribed her with a Kong filled with peanut butter. And I was hoping that the peanut butter filled toy would last for this conversation. Uh, yeah. No, that's perfect. There's been some funny stuff on these Zoom meetings. People coming in, you know, behind somebody and... All kinds of stuff. So, yeah, part of the new normal. Well, I just just keep thinking that we somehow as a community have to say, I mean, I just think about the artists that that I've appreciated and I've uh, not not purchased their record or I have not purchased a piece of art or I have not gotten a print. And I think, I mean, obviously that's not going to solve everything, but I think if we can just say, because I think a lot of us are thinking, what can we do? You know, we feel so helpless. And I, I think... It's just I don't know. It, that no, I think that is I think that is a really that is the thing to do. I mean, I think because that is a personal con- connection and it's a meaningful act. You know, like um, if you are buying someone's record or if you are buying uh, someone's book or a piece of visual art from them, uh, you know, that's a really personal um, interaction where, you know, you that book lives on your bookshelf and that painting gets hung on your wall and that record becomes part of your record collection. And um, and and you start to build a relationship with that artist and you start to uh, I think one thing that we really encourage people to do and that I think you know is is one thing that Terrain has done a great job of is is like trying to train and cultivate people to be art collectors and that you don't have to be like a millionaire to be an art collector you know that like you just you buy work from people who you admire whose work you think is cool and you start building your own little personal collection of of those things and you fill your home with them and you're supporting local artists and you're building a relationship with someone and and you're you know creating your own kind of art collection so um i think that is the thing to do yeah so are you able to maintain all your employees there at spokane arts we are really lucky. Uh, we have not had to do any layoffs. We have a tiny, tiny staff, of course. Um, so uh, Micah Maloney and I are full-time. We had actually just brought her up to full-time before this all started. And then Shelly Winecoop, our grants administrator, uh, works about 20, 25 hours a week. And then um, we have a couple under uh, a couple other wonderful folks, um, Karen Mobley and uh, June Sanders works a few weeks for us to help run our social media media and we have a, a gallery assistant who works a few hours a week uh, named Katie Smith who's a Whitworth grad so we have a very small team um, but yeah we are very incredibly fortunate that uh, we have jobs and um, it has been I think for me uh, you know I live alone it's me and my dog and uh, it's been good to have work to focus on you know Mm -hmm. like in the same way that eric is saying like i want to do something i want to be helpful um even though it's a scary time and there's a lot that is totally out of my control which i hate Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) um you know it, it is it does feel good to be 
trying to help, to be doing whatever we can every day to, um, to be helpers. Mm-hmm. Well, other than First Friday coming up at the, uh, the first Friday of May, what are some things coming up that people can look forward to? Either artists who are looking for support or art lovers who are looking for something to do. Is there, are there some dates and times and places to look for things that we can look forward to? Oh, gosh, that's such a good question. Um, one thing, and, and we're hoping that this is not a um, too hopeful of a thing, and we, we will, of course, be flexible and, and roll with the punches, but uh, we just released the Save the Date for the Annual Arts right. Awards, which will be at the end of September at Lucky You Lounge. And so uh, the Save the Date for those just came out. It's designed by Vanessa Swenson. Um, and that's sort of, you know, an annual kind of general broad celebration of, of creativity in the community. So we're really hoping that we'll be able mm-hmm. to have that event. We're making all kinds of backup, you know, virtual plans in case it has to be small. Um, but uh, very much looking forward to that. Um, let's see what else is happening. Okay. So today would have been the kickoff of the get lit festival, which Mm. means tonight would have been pie and whiskey. Mm. Uh, so I will be honoring that by drinking whiskey alone in my house. (laughs) Uh, I know you guys had just chatted with, um, Sam and, and Kate, uh, which was a great interview. Um, but get lit has created some, some digital, some online, um, Mm. Uh, you know, authors have recorded themselves and posted on YouTube some some videos that people can watch. Um, I think Art Fest, the the Max annual event, Art Fest is also moving to a virtual format, and so they'll they'll be announcing some more details about that soon. Um, I know the Mac also has some exciting online. Um, things related to the Pompeii exhibit. Uh, So I think that's something that people can look for. And then, of course, like we were talking about earlier, you know, so many of the local musicians have been doing little um, streaming sessions or, uh, you know, things either through their Instagram or through YouTube. Um, So I think people, um, we've been trying to share as many of those as we can. So I think that's always a good thing for people to look for. And uh, Spokane Poetry Slam is doing uh, virtual slams as well. Oh, like oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, creativity sometimes needs uh, constraints to actually <laughs> fuel the creative process. I'm, I'd be interested to know how, how each of our artists, musicians, you know, writers and uh, painters and all these are processing this in this stay-at-home environment, that, that could be a, a, a boon to some pretty um, exciting art coming out here in the next few months. I don't know. You guys have a so thought too. about that? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and that's, that's what's so funny about um, trying to, you know, I was talking earlier about how I'm, I'm trying to, um, I keep repeating to everyone, you know, like how crucial the, the creative um community is to our broader community overall and i think like what's the number one word we keep using with relation in relation to this whole situation is everybody's getting creative you know like everybody is figuring out new things and they're getting creative and they're trying new things and so creativity is really at the heart of uh our whole community yeah and actually, Mike, that sounds like a question for a future show, you know. What sorts of things did you find out about yourself and your art when you were uh, kind of forced inside? Right. 
Well, let's just throw that question out. I'd be curious to know, Melissa, would it, I mean, um, it, you're a creative person uh, on top of being a, a, an amazing leader as far as an executive director, but what, have you learned it? Did, did you have an unintended consequence, let's say, as a result of this, as promoting uh, Eric's pivot story coming up as well? Oh, yeah, good call. Um, yeah, this is such a great question. I think I am a terrible uh, person to ask this question to right now because <laughs> I have done almost no writing since this happened. Um, and part of that, you know, maybe for like the first two or three weeks, uh, it was because of just constant, I mean, working a lot, obviously, but also just, you know, we were all sort of drinking from the fire hose of information, just trying to keep up with everything on a daily basis, right? Um, and so during that first two or three weeks, I don't know about anyone else, but like, I couldn't watch television, I couldn't read a book, I couldn't, I certainly wasn't writing. I mean, you know, it was just too much information coming in. And I think others, process things differently and and you know so i think everybody's different in in that regard and i think some people probably were able to channel that energy and kind of shift their focus um but i've been trying to read more which is something that fuels my writing generally um and so when i have had time on the weekends uh that's what i have been doing is trying to get a bunch of reading done which has been good yeah eric how about you that kind of curious to see how you're I mean, you're busier because, like, you still have to teach. You still got um, duties mm -hmm. there, but you're also part of a band. And, um, you know, they that's, you know, because no venues to play right now. I mean, curious to know how you or your colleagues in your band are handling this or if you have any thoughts about that. Well, I think it's a bit tough for Matthew, our songwriter and singer. I mean, he uh, lost his job, his um, partner moved out unexpectedly right as this thing happened i mean he was it just seemed like it was this perfect storm so he went down into this funk and and uh, our band had gone through some tough times where we um we just had had some disagreements about some things but one of the things and i've seen this all over facebook where people are starting to realize what's important and after you know i had gone from kind of being frustrated with some people in my life to actually realizing how important they were to me and so for the first time in a long time, our band just got together and we couldn't play. We couldn't be in the same room. We needed to be six feet apart. We just had a little bonfire and stayed six feet away and were reminded of why we liked each other in the first place. Uh, so that was kind of cool. So um, creatively, it hasn't really done much for me just because, you know, and I've got my, my two girls are at home now too. So, um, you know, we've been playing all kinds of board games. Uh, Forbidden Island, if you haven't played it before, is actually a really fun board game. Um, just doing stuff like that, watching movies together and all that so for me it's just been um I, I mean i'm just always so busy and out of the house all the time and to cocoon and just uh remind myself of those things that were already in my life the whole time um so creatively no i mean even picking up the guitar it's like i don't i don't know what i want to say kind of like melissa was talking about i think we are all just kind of stunned and to some extent we're still just stunned just because everything we knew is just 
it's on hold and it feels like a tragedy but at the same time it's just so i mean it's mm -hmm. it doesn't affect our daily lives in a huge sense mm -hmm. but it affects our daily lives all the time so i think it's just and there's no end in sight right no like no. there's no there's no defined endpoint as there is with like you know maybe a, a hurricane or with 9-11 or with a natural disaster or something like that you know there's sort of like a a clear path of like this is what it means to come out of this and recover and and rebuild and we don't know yet what that is we don't know what that timeline is and so i think that makes it uh really difficult sure. for all the reasons I, that you're articulating and how do you make meaning out of that it's really hard because we don't know what the meaning is we've never been confronted with anything like this yeah i think the lack of predictability is unnerving for a lot of people and uh you know predict can they can't predict whether they're going to have a job in the immediate future, can't predict, you know, people that have their, um, you know, like me, for example, my mom's in a, an assisted living place, can't visit, you know, and, you know, those kind of things are really unnerving. You can't predict those things. But at the same time, you kind of, you sort, sort of ferret out what, you know, the essential and the non-essential whether it's relationships and all of those kind of things. For me, it, it's the first time I've ever been able to slow down enough to really, to really ponder that. And that, uh, for me, was a big thing. I mean, just, mm -hmm. just to actually slow down enough to really think about, about those kind of things, where before it just it seems like my whole life is, you have your own momentum, things are predictable, you, you have all these things, and all of a sudden it just drastically turns, you know? I mean, it's, it's so, I don't know, it's kind of an interesting thing, and I'm sure, um, I don't think it'll ever come back to normal, but I think um, the things that are important are gonna come back quick, maybe with a little bit more intensity. And that might be a good thing in, in, the, in the long run. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's been good to see, uh, I talked to a friend who lives, right now he lives in Nashville, and he's, about, he's supposed to be moving to D.C., and um, he was saying that he has never kept in better touch with his extended family than he is mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all of his extended family, everybody's checking on the older relatives, the cousins are in a group text, you know, that sort of thing. And I think I've experienced that with um, with friends as well, that, you know, friends who, many of my friends are scattered across the country and we, we are pretty good about trying to check in on one another, but during something like this, you're much more intentional about it. You know, how are you doing? What's going on? That kind of thing, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Well, it's nice to see you, Melissa, and it's nice to see you again, Mike. So you two are, are important to me. So I'm going to try to say that more to the people who are important to me. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Hey, thank Melissa, you. thank you. And again, just any last minute things that you want to just remind uh, those artists in our community of what, what they should, where they should go to get information, where the latest information is. Yeah, like I said, uh, SpokaneArts.org, um, the City of Spokane's website, and then our grant program that I mentioned, the Saga applications that are open now, 
the one thing I should emphasize is that people can apply for operational support. And so that means whatever it takes to keep the lights on, whatever it takes to help you support the work that you do. Um, so they don't have to have a, a particular project or they don't have to know when their next event can be, you know, you can apply for basic support to keep the lights on uh, from Saga. So, um, like I said, more information on our website. People can always email me, uh, Melissa at SpokaneArts.org. And thank you both. And thank you, Melissa. And, and, and also on behalf of the Spokane community, Spokane Arts is such a big part of that. So you do great work. And, yeah, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be together in person here soon, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thank you for all the good work you do. <laughs> Thanks. All right.